And welcome back to another Fatal Conceits podcast, dear listener. A show about money, markets, mobs, and manias. Not necessarily in that order, of course. If you haven't already done so, please feel free to check us out on Substack. You can find us at bonnerprivateresearch.substack.com. And there you'll find hundreds of articles on everything from high finance to lowly politics, plenty of in-depth research reports, and of course, many more conversations like this under the Fatal Conceits podcast tab at the top of the page. In part one of my conversation with Byron King, which we published last week, he and I spoke about the ongoing war in the Ukraine and what that means for international energy markets, specifically Germany's coming energy Stalingrad. We also looked at what a decade or more of underinvestment in the real stuff-based economy means for us today. That's everything from a lack of real investment in research and development through to a paucity of human capital. We also spoke about the ongoing financialization of the Western economies and what that might look like in reverse during a deglobalization phase. If you haven't already done so, you can check out part one of my conversation with Byron King. Again, that's on our Substack page at bonnerprivateresearch.substack.com. In today's episode, we bring you part two of my conversation with Byron. We pick up the action while we're wondering about the impact of a gold and or methane-backed ruble. Uh, What impact might that have on global markets and, of course, the long-enjoyed petrodollar hegemony. Might all that be coming to an end? I also asked Byron where he sees markets headed for the back half of the year, this is 2022, and what he's doing personally with his own investments. There's all that and plenty more on the table in today's conversation. I invite you to please enjoy it after the break. That goes back to uh, actually something coincidentally that Bill was writing about in uh, in his daily missive today for Again, a little plug, Bonner Private Research, check out the Substack page. It's uh, He was writing about how, you know, moms who knew what was best for their kids, uh, seeing that the money was to be made at Goldman Sachs, hey, go over and work at the hedge fund, don't go and work at Detroit, you know, the GM plant in Detroit or what have you. It gets back to the financialization of the economy. We're moving away from stuff, from how to make stuff, how to transport stuff, how to invent stuff, how to uh, implement all those various supply chains and away from that and how to, um, you know, move decimal points around on a a computer screen uh, to quote unquote add value to the economy. So getting back to the money underpinning all of this, uh, I asked you back in May, and I'm interested to hear your your follow-up thoughts on this about the, let's call it a, a golden slash gaseous uh, or methane-backed ruble. You call it a methane-backed ruble. Uh, how has how that sort of played out now? And you mentioned, uh, obviously, Putin playing his his hand with uh, with the, the energy markets there. Uh, are you seeing uh, what developments are you seeing along the lines of a bifurcation of monetary systems and so forth? Oh, I think that uh, we are watching a uh, a slow unfolding of uh, you know the, the the next step of de-dollarization. Mm. Uh, the uh, there's I don't think the Russians perceive you know any real reason 
uh, to make it all happen in a hurry, you know, wake up one morning or whatever. Although we may just, you know, wake up one morning. Uh, the, the Russians have, uh, 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 the, the Russians are still, you know, insisting on rubles for natural gas. And so there are countries in Europe that are, that are making these deals. I mean, Hungary is like, you know, the rest of you guys in the EU, you do what you want, but we're hungry. We mm-hmm. want to be, we want natural gas. We get cold in the wintertime. We want that Russian natural gas. And the Russians are, yeah, sure, we'll make you a deal and we'll, we'll work it out with you. Serbia is is uh, in the same boat. Um, uh, there are there are uh, companies in Italy, in fact, that are are again talking with with uh, the Russians, like you know, listen, guys, you know, we we, we want we want to make we want we want to work with you, we want to make a deal with you, and uh, and so you see that. And at the same time, you know, you've got the high level, uh, you know, political types, you know, the Northern European, you know, political honchos. Uh, who are still, you know, banging the drum about how, you know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna sanction Russia. We're not gonna buy anything from them and everything else. It doesn't matter to Russia. You know, they're still going to they're going to sell their oil, their gas, whatever, to to China, to India. Um, Russia just fired a huge shot across the bow over in the Far East uh, with the Sakhalin two project, where they essentially nationalized it. Uh, and they they said, you know, I mean, we we know that you foreign uh, foreign companies own own sections of this, but you know we're, we're taking them from you, and it's ours now. Now, if you're Japan, and and you are entirely reliant, you know, ninety eight percent reliant on imported energy, you know, much of which you know Russian oil, Russian natural gas, you know, you 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 have to be looking at this, thinking, oh my, oh holy smokes, now what, you know? Yeah. Um, and so uh, uh, there's there, there's so many things going on. There's so many moving parts to it. I mean, the Saudis are talking about uh, not uh, adhering 100% to the old petrodollar idea. It, it and that was that was with the Chi- those with the Chinese, right? They, the Chinese, they yeah they're, yeah they're they're, gonna, they're they're making deals with the Chinese mm. to sell oil in yuan, uh, and the and the Saudis will you know they'll they'll take Chinese yuan and then they'll go back to China and buy Chinese things you know. I yeah, mean, and that's that's twenty five percent of the Saudi um, Saudi exports to right. to China, a not insignificant portion of its. And so, what happens then with Japan? To go back to the to the Far East, for example, if mm-hmm. let's say Mr. Putin decides for his next sort of chessboard move that he's going to um, demand gas sold down into Japan again, not another not insignificant market. If he demands that uh, direct uh, in rubles. The the Japanese are going to if if they want to keep their houses warm, their industries running, uh, you know the chemist chemicals industry working. I mean, mm. they're they're going to have to make a deal with, uh, you know, with with uh, the Gazprom Bank. You know, I mean, Gazprom Bank, with the the bank owned by Gazprom, you know, is set up to to say, okay, we will take your Japanese yen or we'll take your dollars, we the bank, and we'll convert them to rubles, and you know, and so so we will be able to say that you are buying. Gas and rubles, but what? But what's really going on here is, you know, there's a there's an international uh, 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 currency exchange going on. You know, yen for dollars, dollars for rubles. You know, however, however they, however the wiring diagram is on any given on any given transaction. Uh, but but what it does it is it it strengthens the ruble as a currency. Um, I mean, uh, you know, the ruble today is a stronger currency than it was back in February, before. You know, before the the first yeah. again, before the first Russian tank 
road across the border. I mean, you know, when, when President Biden says, oh, we've turned the ruble to rubble, it's kind of like, well, well, that didn't last very long. Now, did it? You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah, sure. You know, in the in the context of a week or two, you crashed the ruble and, you know, things were in turmoil for a little bit. But um, then the ruble just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And again, it, it, we, we talked about this before when the Russians said, we'll we'll pay 5000 rubles per gram of gold. Uh, and, and that 5,000 has changed since then. That's mm-hmm. still out there. That is still so. There is a ruble to gold, ruble to natural gas, hence energy to gold. If you do your geometry, your 10th grade geometry, you know, if you start to connect these little angles here, um, uh, there there is a ruble, energy, gold connection. And to the you know whatever the price of natural gas is or gold is in dollars or whatever that you know, feeds back into the strength of, uh, of the ruble. Um, I, uh, I think one of the big issues is not uh, what happens, you know, like when the dollar collapses, you know, when the dollar collapses, it's what happens after the dollar, you know, what will replace it, you know? Right. And what replaces uh, a petrodollar? And you know, will, what, you know, do, will what does that look like geopolitically as well? Very interestingly, because it's not, you know, the, the, the U.S. has maintained since the collapse of the of the, the Soviet Union back in 89, 90, has maintained this uh, this hegemony of a unipolar superpower uh, in the world. And as you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, 30 years of, of diplomacy that has gotten us essentially to where we are today. Um, and now it looks like that, that world that is being turned to rubble uh, for just to kind of point out the the facts. Well, absolutely, I mean, I think most Americans have a sense that you know, oh, you know, America, we're a big, powerful country, and everything. If you said to them, you know, well, do you understand the concept of a unipower? They would think, well, you know, if you talked it through, they'd be like, yeah, okay, like that means like we're 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 number one and all this sort of thing. Well, that's that's a myth, you know, that is a myth. That's mythology. Because, you know, America is not number one. We are an energy uh, dependent country anymore. We, uh, we have completely mismanaged our own internal energy system. We're having brownouts and blackouts across the country as the summer unfolds. We've mismanaged our, uh, you know, our, our ba- basic things like food supply. I mean, what kind, of, what kind of big, powerful country doesn't have baby formula, you know, I mean, for mm-hmm. months at a time? It's, it's crazy. Um, I mean, it's not that the America is a weak nation. No, we're not. You know, but uh, but but the the other the rest of the world has 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 uh, they're coming out of their shells. I mean, industrially, uh, there is simply no competition in basic industry to say China. I mean, they pour over a billion tons of steel a year. The United States last year, 2021, poured 81, 85 million. I mean, it was like 12 to one. 12, China poured 12 tons of steel. For every ton that the U.S. poured, you know, and what they do with it? Well, they they building China, building railroads, and building cities, and building ships, and building whatever, you know, uh, a big big country, a lot, big build out. Um, in terms of Russian Russia and Russian technology, uh, I mean, there, there there's this very strange concept in the U.S. and in the West in general, that the Russians are oh they're just they're, they're 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 dumb, they can't do anything right, and all this sort of stuff. I don't know about that. I mean, something. If you look at the International Space Station orbiting over the Earth, two thirds of that space station was built by Russia. You know, I mean, for ten years we couldn't even get our astronauts up there without riding on, you know, Russian rockets. Um, you know, they. Uh, I mean, we we 
when you say, well, but you know, they're getting our butts kicked in Ukraine. No, they're not. I mean, who who says that? You know, you you must be reading Western propaganda because if you actually follow the facts on the ground, the, the Russians the Russians are using maybe maybe twenty percent of their combat power in Ukraine, and they're moving at their own pace. And uh, and they've got they've got they've got weapons and systems you know behind the lines that that uh, that they've never used uh, just because they don't want to show us what. What they look like, you know. But I mean, but you know, we suspect we know what they are, and um, uh, you, you know, we, we don't ever want our guys to face their guys using those weapons because it's going to be a mess. You know, I mean, Putin talks about new physical principles. You know, like, you know, well, anyway, gets back to the unipower, multi unipolar, multipolar a- aspect of the world. I mean, the world is going multipolar, and. Um, uh, the West has a certain philosophy about, you know, what life is and what, you know, what what the culture should be. So does Russia. I mean, there's a there's a concept in Russia that very, very few people talk about it outside of Russia. It's called, it's called Eurasianism. It, you know, mm. Russians and there's a whole school of thought in Russia now. It's kind of like we are not Europeans. We're not especially we're not you Western Europeans with all your decadence and all your weirdness. You know, we you know, we are we are we are slightly european but we're really eurasians you know because we we span the continent you know the the uh, the iron ribbon of the of the siberian railroad you know ties us together um and uh, but there is a whole school of thought in russia called eurasianism and that is that is how they see their future that's a whole talk in and of itself i mean and and yeah. people write books about it and if you're if anybody's listening to this if you're curious go to amazon and Dial in, you know, Eurasianism, Eurasianism, and you'll find a whole bunch of books all about it, written by you know Ivy, you know Ivory Tower scholars. Um, uh, it's not something that, that you're going to hear here on the 60 Minutes or the Nightly News or something like that. But but that philosophically is 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 what's animating a lot of what's going on in Russia, Russia, China, uh, Central Asia, with all the stands down into India. Uh, there is a whole sense that okay, you Westerners, you know, you had your, you had your couple of centuries of you know expansion and colonialism and all that sort of stuff, um, and you've been uh, uh, you you played a really good game with this petrodollar thing for you know for half a century, you know where you, you know you 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 pay us these alleged petrodollars, we send you real tankers full of oil. The dollars never even leave your country because they wind up back in your banks and in your in your treasury bonds. And uh, somehow or another, we send you stuff, but we don't get expected to buy. <laughs> we don't get anything back for it. Uh, yeah, it, 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 I think that, that that game is that game has. Uh, we're, we're coming to the end, ending whistle of that game. It's just a question of when, not if. Yeah, and it does seem like in a ultimately in a war of attrition, as you mentioned, that uh, Russia was happy to kind of bide its time there on the its western front. Oh. It does seem like. Putin will be able to go without Netflix and McDonald's for a lot longer than the West will be able to go without, uh, you know, titanium and noble gases, for example. Absolutely. And people say these things that are silly. They say, oh, the Russians are running out of ammunition. Every two weeks, there's there's a headline and, oh, you know, they have another two weeks worth of ammunition. No, they're not. I mean, are you kidding? I mean, I, I mean, I'm an I'm an American, you know, retired military guy. I mean, I know, I absolutely know. Russia has entire mountains hollowed out, filled with ammunition. You know, with train tracks running right into them. If they need ammo, they just load up another train and off it goes. You know, they they have they have everything they need. Uh, yeah. And where, where, whereas in the U.S., for example, if you look at U.S. artillery round production. 
for the last, say, 10 years, uh, if you took every single artillery round that the U.S. Army, Marine Corps, whatever, that produced in the last 10 years, and you and you somehow magically you know, put them in Ukraine and fired them off, you would have about a month's worth of ammunition supply. That's 10, 10 years would be shot off in about four or five weeks. Uh, the the, wow, the last three years of U.S. of ammunition production would probably last about five days. You know, I mean, that's the that's the rate of expenditure. And and we said, well, we'll just we'll just buy more ammo. No, we won't. You need an ammunition factory to do that. You need a big plant. You need steel. You need chemicals. You need electronics. You need people who actually know what they're doing. And people think, oh yeah, you just you just crank those ammo those ammo rounds out. You know, like like hot dogs or something. Actually, no, you don't. I mean, you practically hand build an artillery shell, you know, and so which means you need hands, which means you need somebody attached to the hands with a brain inside their head who know what they're doing. Um, Russia has factories for this. Russia has entire cities where they do this stuff. We don't in the United States, you know, and yeah. the rest of NATO and everybody else. So yeah. it, it's it's yeah, depressing. It seem to talk like about that. Except that, except it happens to be true. So. Yeah, well, it's, this is, a, a, again, this, uh, I mean, if, if it hasn't been clear thus far in the discussion, this is a, sort of just the facts, ma'am. This isn't, a, this isn't a, you know, in praise of one side or another. This is just trying to basically get to the bottom of what's going on without any kind of uh, political uh, persuasion here. Just, just the facts, ma'am, as I said. But it does appear when you, do, when you read the Western media that the uh, two weeks to run out of Russian ammunition is the new two weeks to flatten the curve, uh, and and we know how that kind of claim went. But Byron, I know you, uh, you've got to shoot off for another uh, appointment here. Finally, I've got a, a quick question from uh, our mutual friend Bill Bonner, and that is uh, going to be a huge, huge achievement for you to condense an answer into the couple of minutes that we've got remaining. But maybe you can give your own writings a, a plug and where we can find you. Uh, d during that, and that is Byron. What the hell is going on, and what are you doing with your money? Well, um, I am uh, I, I am as worried as anybody else about the markets. Uh, the markets have slid slid down. Uh, I think they have further to fall. I mean, I think you know they could plateau along for a while, but I think they could also fall uh, some more. It's July. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in, in August, uh, you know, half the world goes on vacation. Uh, although that doesn't mean that bad things don't happen in August. And then in the fall, you know, typically, you know, they're, you know, if you're going to have a, if you're going to have another market crash, why not in the fall? You know, so, um, I am, uh, I'm invested in, you know, mines and miners, you know, a whole bunch of juniors, um, that I, uh, that I know very well. I mean, when I invest in a junior mining company it's because i know the people it's because i've visited the project the site you know i can i you know because i've held i've held the core from the drill rig you know in my hand it's because i've looked at what they have and i you know i believe in the asset and i believe in the technical people and i believe in the management so you know when i'm investing that that is what i do um I uh, I think I think energy is has a lot has a nice long upside to it. Um, we have we passed that inflection point where where we can just sort of fix it with any sort of you know quick remedies or whatever. Uh, st you know stand by for energy to be you know more and more expensive over time. We were talking about Germany, uh, and we we're talking about exporting LNG from you know North America to Europe. Well, you know if if we really do turn natural gas into you know a global commodity as lng then we in 
North America are going to be paying, you know, far higher prices to, you know, if you heat with natural gas or you uh, use natural gas for industry, or what have you. I mean, I, um, I, you know, where I live, I mean, I heat, I heat our house with natural gas and uh, I fully expect, you know, my natural gas bill to triple, you know, this coming winter. Wow. Uh, so, wow. so um, like, like a lot of other people, I, I have cut back on things. I mean, I drive less because uh, gasoline is twice the price. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a much more you know discerning shopper in the supermarket. I actually look at the labels and look at the price tags on things before I toss them in the cart. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know the, the travel that I'm doing is you know it's like business oriented travel. And uh, you know if I can get if I can get somebody else to pay for it, that's even better. You know uh, get, you know get the company that I'm going to go visit to. Okay, we, I'll, I'll come and look at you. But you know um, you know you, you guys have to you know, share the, share the burden here. Um, yep. Yep. So, so I, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, sort of, you know, slash your wrist depressed or anything like that. No, I, I, I think there's, there's incredible opportunities out there for, for, for patient investors who um, uh, are looking for bargains and who are just sort of, you're, you're willing to, you're willing to ride the, the rough waves. Uh, you know, I, I think gold, I think gold, silver, uh, are wealth preservers over time. Uh, it's just a question of, you know, when and how long. Uh, other things, you know, copper and you know, other base metals, um, they they absolutely have to do well just because there's not enough out there. And considering the future demand that's happening as we speak, you know. Um, and then, you know, I mean, the battery metals, the technology metals, I mean, we've had, you know, we've talk about that all day but uh, uh there are some incredible opportunities out there just 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 waiting and which is not to say that in biotech and in robotics and in ai and in medical system there, you know people aren't going to be making you know huge amounts of money you know investing in that too that's kind of not my strength you know i mean i'm not if you if you're looking for the best you know biomedical you know ideas i'm not your guy you know uh but uh but in terms of uh you know what i'm what i'm what i'm looking at right now well this is the 78th anniversary of the bretton woods conference in uh you know new hampshire back in 1944 uh nixon took america took the world off of the uh bretton woods standard in 1971 so it's 52nd 51st anniversary of that come august 15th um i you know i i i i anticipate that there's going to be upheaval in the basic units of currency that we use to denominate everything. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we call them dollars now. Uh, a long time ago, people called them seashells or whatever. You know, uh, For a while, people called them gold. Uh, what, what's going to replace the dollar? I don't know, but something is. Something's going to. And I think on the other side of that event, on the other side of that event horizon, you want to have real things you know, that, 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 that will preserve your value in whatever it is that they are uh, denominated in or calculated in, you know. I mean, at yep. some at some point or another, at some point or another, you know, a chunk a chunk of copper is always going to be worth, you know, something, you know. Right. This, this copper is from the Keweenaw Peninsula, Upper Peninsula of Northern Michigan, but I mean, this is elemental native copper, literally. This got pulled out of a rock by a glacier, and that's why it's kind of rounded looking. Um, this one here. Q and on, but this is this I chopped out of a rock, you know, and uh, it's uh, uh, but th this this was copper, anyhow. Th this kind of stuff is 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 where is 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 future wealth, you know, right. preserving stuff, your wealth. Yeah. Stuff is due for a comeback, and if there's anybody knows, 
a thing or two about getting stuff out of rocks and under under basins and subterranean uh, high pressure areas. It's it's Byron King, mate. Thank you so much for giving us the lowdown on everything from the geopolitics uh, unfolding over in Europe to what we can expect uh, back here in the West, uh, in the, the Americas. We didn't even get to the South Americas uh, in, in this call. There's plenty. We'll have to save that for an entire another discussion. Another, another time. In the future, in the future. Okay, well, Byron, again, thanks so much um, for your time. Always a pleasure to chat to you. Again, readers, please head on over to bonoprivateresearch.substack.com for many more conversations like this and plenty of articles, reports, and other resources besides. Again, it's been a pleasure. This is Joel Bowman for the Fatal Conceit Podcast. Mm-hmm.